Welcome to Free and Figuring It Out, a weekly podcast hosted by two Brits, Sherelle Griffith and Verity Brown, on a mission to support, empower and reassure fellow independent millennial women that they can be self-sufficient, successful and seen. Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of Free and Figuring It Out. We are delighted to be joined today by Laura, who is the co-founder, along with her sister Holly, of Financiel, a female-focused financial wellness brand empowering women to take control of their money and build dream lives. Financiel started as an anonymous Instagram account almost three years ago, and as the pandemic broke last year, Laura finally penned the plan she wanted to see in the world. The Financiel Playbook, a step-by-step guide to be financially well. Since then, hundreds of people have worked through the plan and have ditched debt, built savings and increased incomes. Financiel is now a large online financial wellness community, which is completely free to join. Hello, Laura. How are you? Very well, thank you both. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. There was a lot of financial. I was like, it was like a tongue twister. Fan, financial, fan, <laughs> trying to get through. Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, for listeners who've joined us for for these past few episodes, we've obviously been focusing on money. We've been looking at savings, investing, pensions, mortgages, debt, everything else that goes with it. And a lot of it has been about what to do with the money we have already. You know, how do we put that into an investment or pay it off with that or save it or make more of, of kind of what the pot we have. But we've not spoke that much about making more money. And um, you, Laura, with your brand ran... Um, make money march which was this great initiative to really get people thinking about how to make more money in their lives and whether that's because they've got debt to pay off whether it's because they want to save more whether it's because they want to invest whatever reason but just kind of really creating more so we were like perfect perfect guests to come on and talk to our listeners about making more money so that's why we've got you here today so thank you for joining us to do that (laughs) My pleasure. And honestly, Make Money March was so much fun. It was an initiative that we, uh, you know, we like alliteration. So with all the Fs, we got the Ms for, for March. But we wanted to <laughs> encourage our community to flex their making money muscle. It's mm. not something that people default to. You know, in the money community, people will talk about pulling back expenses, you know, mm. cutting your budget, trying to be more effective, more mindful spending. And all that's really great. But, you know, it's making money is one of the key elements of how you can um, put money towards your goals. I mean, in the playbook, one of the things we talk about is um, you have an excess. So some people do something called a zero-based budget, but actually in financial, we don't do that. We want to show you what's left. And so at the beginning of a month, you take what comes in and then you take off what comes out and you've got an excess. And if you're in a business, that's like a profit. And the two ways of growing your excess is decreasing your expenses and massively increasing your income and the important thing about increasing your income is theoretically the sky's the limit where at some point you can't cut your expenses to zero because you're going to have to still feed yourself and have a nice life and stuff (laughs) so making money is really really important and I think you know our demographic is predominantly millennial female there is a making money blocker for a lot of us which is why it was a really cool month to do. (laughs) It sounds like a really great initiative (laughs) and I think you're really right that that idea of you know what's left that excess that I think that is some of the some of the conversations we've already had recently 
around actually like you can budget but there's a certain point where you can't go any lower like you said we've got certain things that we have to pay out and I think that was why we thought it was really important to get someone to talk about actually how do you make more money because we are really realistic you know I mean I think some of the conversation we had I was like you know you know both of us lived in London so we both had that life where technically someone would probably say we had a lot of money but we spent a lot of money on our travel and a lot of money on like Mm. keeping a roof over our head and that you know there was nothing we could do about that that was a they were technically basically fixed costs and so the difference of the only way we could try and start to change our money situation to to increase that excess and like you said we can use that excess however we want but if we want to do it realistically there's a certain point where cutting back isn't going to make any difference and all you can do is focus on making more and the key thing as well there Shirelle is it's about living a nice life so Mm. you know the uh, if you cut everything, what really is the point? It's different if you're on an intense journey because you're paying off debt or you're doing something short term. But if you keep cutting, you know, travel is very important to myself and my family. I'm from the travel community and it really does help me grow. And so if I were to cut that, I, you know, I just would be really, well, we're all not, not of us are going anywhere at the moment, are we? But it's really <laughs> disheartening and it doesn't help build you as a as an individual with your friends, with your family, whoever. So that's a perfect example of something that you would have to cut. Or why don't we increase our income by the amount that we want our travel budget to be? And you've just, you know, that's like the cycle. So yeah, it's really important. Yeah. And I, I, I'm, you'll know from listening to the podcast, but you know, anyone new, like me and Shoelle, very different money stories. And I'm trying not to use labels, but it's just easy for demonstration. You know, Shoelle's typically a saver. I'm typically a spender. And, you know, they just get to a point where I'm like, if I cut anything else, I'm going to be miserable every day. And there's a point where you've got to make that balance of practicality with money, mental health, um, having enjoyment and joy in each day. Um, you know, I don't do takeaways. I don't have like Sky Sport, you know, all those things that people say, <laughs> cut this, cut this. And you're like, I literally like, I'll do these few treats. And and if I cut those and I, there's nothing left, you know, to, so it is, it's about, and I find that this episode is going to be really empowering. It's like, okay, let's, let's know our worth. Let's really really use our skills and knowledge and our spare time and our energy and like make more money rather than focus on that that cutting which I'm sure after the series that we've done and the the listeners that we have on on this show that people have done that to a certain extent already so let's try and go to that next step and and make some more money so I know in Make Money March you kind of covered some really key areas of how you can make more money and so what we've decided to do is kind of do a little bit of a top 10 of of how to do that and put them into certain sections so the first section will start with the super sort of beginners kind of you know you've never thought about making more money before it's kind of a really new thing to you Um, and we're going to kind of delve into um, the first few bits that you could do to do that so the first area that I want us to look at is reselling so Laura can you just go into that for us a bit please definitely and I think reselling is absolutely something that's the best thing to try first because it 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 doesn't take too much thought it's a Marie Kondo gentle cleansing of the things around you anyway and and we feel better sometimes when we clear things it usually helps to have a goal at the same time so whether it's a I'd like to make an extra £500 this month because of X, Y, Z. That helps and you have a bit of a target. You then start to look around, you know, your house, your flat and think, 
what's adding value what have I not used you know what have I not touched in the past six months really interestingly like when I started financial I wanted um uh, to build a debt-free business and so I wanted to pay for a designer to help me make the playbook look better than a dissertation because I'm a lawyer like that's how things look uh, when, when I produce them it's embarrassing and I didn't have funds allocated for a business so I sold um, a Chanel handbag and a Celine handbag um, including dropping one off on the way to Centre Parks and the lady was so grateful I was like please look after that Chanel um, but I'd never used it it was, a, it was a clutch bag like you know who uses clutch bags I think I've cried losing it in a bar in Manchester before but that's about it so um I sold it and it was a really difficult thing because I kept thinking I'll use it one day and you know I worked very hard for that and I'm not going to get back yeah. what I paid for it because you don't no matter what people say about uh, um luxury handbags you absolutely don't unless you never use them and then what's the point and I so I was looking around and I was like I could sell that someone else could get use for it and that would be quite a big chunk of money and um, I use eBay because it's a really good, if you think about it, it's a search engine. So yes, there's fees and costs and stuff, but especially if it's something of quite a high value, you get access to a really wide, wide market. In fact, the Celine was bought by someone overseas, which just helps to even show you, you know, the marketplace that you're dealing with. And that money came in and it went in a pot, which was for a target. So looking around your house for things that you've used before, but it, it could be expensive things or it could be really simple things like bundles of clothes that aren't high value but a bundle of them on your local Facebook marketplace you know you can get 20 25 pound in your hand within an hour and that's mm -hmm. a real freeing feeling because suddenly you realize you can get access to money if you need it the things around you are worth something and you don't miss them when they're gone especially if you're some people create a box and they put things in the resale box and they think about it <laughs> yeah been there <laughs> and that's and that's a good tip for people who are like I mean when you said you sold a Chanel handbag I must have met my heart when oh my gosh because I did a fashion degree so I was like oh my god but then I get I I get it you know I get I get the um you know and some people may be like well I don't have a Chanel handbag you know I don't have a Chanel handbag but like you're saying there's stuff around you um and it's and we've spoke about this before on the podcast it's not just the money though it's also that space that energy that you then release in and helping someone else out if someone needs that bundle of clothing you're getting cash they're getting close to their children you've got space now and it's like it's a really rewarding process I think isn't it it is it all adds up as well and so you know at the moment um I was having fun in May, when in March using Vinted for the first time which worked for some things and not others there's no fees and the buyer pays postage so it's a really the way they generate money is you can boost okay boost listings and stuff so it's a good alternative to ebay i've got a pile of clothes in the corner which still haven't sold which i get a bit annoyed at and i might switch to people in the community have suggested to me try market facebook marketplace but vintage really, really good for fashion and um i keep selling some things at two pound a time there now yes it's worth a bit of my time to sell something for two pound but to sell 10 things at two pounds suddenly it's 20 pounds and it goes on my tracker and it all contributes so the reselling is a really good way to get uh, it's liquidity so it's money quick especially if you've mm. got a bit of a short-term goal it's not something that's easy for the longer term because you still need things and so mm. either you would have to buy to resell or you'll end up um I've got this picture of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air when he's in the he's in the house and everything's empty because they've moved out and I'm like that's what my sister's gonna be like because she keeps selling things and the husband's gonna come home and go what are we gonna sit on <laughs> so yeah that's that's a really good tip with reselling is it's easy for everyone. It's a real way to dip your toe into bringing extra money into your into your house, into your budget without um, spending too much time, to be fair. Great stuff. And um, the next um, 
area to look at is surveys and user testing. Now, this is an area I've dipped my toe into, but I've never fully dived, I'll be honest. So any sort of top tips with with this, because it can be a bit of a minefield and you can feel you're getting like a penny for like a 30 minute survey. So any sort of recommendations about who to use or how to know it's genuine or things like that, really? So uh, again, really funny moment in our community. In fact, we did a live event and my sister and I were chatting and whilst Holly was making like 50 quid a time selling things on Facebook, I got a survey wrong that was going to be worth 18p. And she was like, I am, I think she logged on and she was like, I am not doing this. My time is worth way more. And I was like, no, no, I'm going to, you have on prolific.co is one and you have to hit up to five pounds before you can cash out. And I think by the end of March, I managed to get to five pounds but I didn't do it consistently and you have to be on it all the time and have it up in the background and so there's prolific.co and there's YouGov where you can do surveys it gets up to a value of 50 pounds and you can cash out the interesting debate we had around women and surveys is we don't see men doing surveys for money um Mm. we asked quite a few uh uh, friends partners you know actually ask people what would they do this they even did a really good Instagram live with Mr Money Jar and talked about that and we talked about do women value their time as much as men? So whilst we want to bring income in, is your time worth spending doing these 20, 20p, 50p, two pound surveys? You have to do an awful lot for it to build up. Whereas actually some of the things that we'll talk about later on may bring in more revenue and respect your time more. So I like, I, what I like about surveys, Verity, is it's access to easy cash. So if anyone is feeling in a situation of crisis or a situation of stress, there are resources like survey, like user testing, um, usertesting.com. I think, I think that's the address. It's really simple, obviously. It's a much better. Um, you do um, video um, feedback. You get paid a little bit more, more for it. So that's a really good tip and much better than I think than surveys. Um, but it takes an awful lot of your time and for the long term, I don't think it's a lot of money for your time and that we're talking today about increasing your income and, and valuing yourself. Yeah, and I think I, I completely agree there. And some, But I suppose it's looking at the other side of it. My mum used to always say, oh, I love it when someone calls up and wants to ask me questions. I love talking about, and maybe that's it. Maybe it's for women out there who are listening who actually really enjoy engaging in those types of questions, who, you know, who the money is important, but there's that other element that there's a satisfaction there of, oh, you know, I've really helped someone or someone asked me about me and I got to explain like my feelings and opinions I don't I don't know it's yeah maybe it's, I, I think that's probably the more review side of it maybe that's more yeah. product review that like, like that's a different thing I guess than the strict survey so reviews is different and actually you get to help to contribute to improve something mm. yeah I was gonna say because I've done market research for people in the past I've definitely done where either I, I did some actually um at the end of the last year where I was doing like UI UX so they would make him asking me questions as I was doing stuff to then be able to like help improve their like launch of their new app and stuff and I have also done market research where like actually I was on I was in a company where they'd send you emails and it's like you'd have to hit a very specific criteria so you it wasn't yeah. very often that I got to do them but then that was more likely to be like I think I got one that was like 50 pound one that was 80 pound so they can be higher value is just you have to hit normally really weird criteria <laughs> yeah you've got to be in it to yeah. win it so you have to sign up to these sites and have you have your profile up to date and then like I said yeah there could just be something 
the, the sweet spot and you you are genuinely paid for your time and you've really mm. enjoyed that experience of helping improve something mm. good That's stuff great. okay so and the final thing we've got for those newbies to sort of making more money is cash back what are your thoughts on that the cashback is something that we should all be looking at. And this is about, it's the same as when you're switching deals and you're thinking about opportunities to improve your utilities and your gas and electric. It's the same mentality for me, which is take that little bit of extra time when you're looking to procure something and that time has an hourly rate to it. So if you use the really good sites like Quidco and cash, Top Cashback is, is actually my favorite. It's the one that we tend to defer to. Whenever we are um, reviewing a, an expense, whether it's a, a, an insurance or whether it's a big electrical expense or um, uh, utilities, we'll always check Top Cashback to see what deals there are. But it takes effort because you really have to look at the you have to compare, you know, I'm not, I'm a, I'm a new Excel nerd. I surely am not historically, but I would try and look at, okay, what's the 12 to 18 month contract worth? What cashback is available? Because sometimes you can get starry eyed by the cashback when actually the deal across the term isn't as effective. And um, mm. so for me, it's about setting that time aside and think, look, if I take half an hour to review this purchase of a fridge or a TV or car insurance, and I save myself either via cashback or via a reduced amount of money, you know, 20 to 50 pounds. That's a, that's a 40 to 100 pound hourly rate. And I've just mm. taken that effort. Whereas, you know, the old me 10 years ago would have been on the last minute. I need to renew my car insurance. I'll go with that one and, and not have taken that time. So I'm a big fan of it, but it's about mindful spending. Do you need to spend this? If you do, okay, check these sites first and, uh, and mm. see how you get on. And I think you've mentioned something really important there, which again, something me and Shrell have, have spoke about, but that hourly rate of ourselves. And it is a bit of a, well, I don't know, do you, either of you, do you have any ways of, of working that out? I mean, I sort of, with my hourly rate, it's what I feel I'm worth. And I kind of haven't worked it out in any logical sense, so to speak, but I've looked at my experience, my age and, and things like that. That's That's what I, I mean, any thoughts on that from from either of you really I mean I think what's interesting in terms of what Laura's talking about if you're sitting down with especially like user testing and cashback like we have to start to think what is our time worth and I know I've had conversations with people it's like is it worth if if is the time are you getting paid enough by doing this activity for example that then you'd be able to outsource something else in your life so it's this whole idea like you know when people talk about like should you get a cleaner and it's like can you earn more in that hour than it would cost you to have someone work for you that do the cleaning for you in that hour and so I think there's no there's no hard and fast rule but you know I wouldn't myself be like spending an hour doing a survey that's going to give you five pound then you might as well go and get a part-time job that's going to pay you minimum wage because you'd still get more out of it than that so I think it's I think you you know everyone's at different stages in their journey but trying to work out realistically you know what is an easy way for you to make money and what would that be an hourly rate and then at least look for other activities that are above that rather than looking for other activities that are below it I would agree I think when we're talking about your non-formal and primary role hourly rate the, the trade-off I always see is what else would you be doing other, uh, otherwise so you know I have two young children mm. um could I be engaging and playing with them or doing some chores that may need doing that that needs need, needs help or working on my business 
which is planning some content that I might not be getting paid for because I want to put it out there and help someone but later it helps to build my business and helps bring revenue later or shall I sit down for an hour and do some surveys again I think it's about thinking what your short-term goal is so for make money march I was happy to do it because we all wanted to hit a bit of a goal to see how much money we could bring in same if you've got to save for a house deposit and you want to hustle and bring in all the money you can for a period um, and you're willing to sacrifice what you could be doing instead um, mm. I, I think in actually Sherelle's all thinking about could I make more money as a part-time job? That's a really, really valuable way of looking at it because really it's probably easier to then get a part-time job, especially if you, if you want it for a defined period of time. Mm. Yeah, and just one final thing on that because it just is important to me, but I think this is about accessibility and what is available to you and class in, a, in an element you know if if you know we're going to move on to the sort of work related ways of making money um and we're three professional women here you know we're, we're privileged in that sense we have an education and a career that we've been able to build they maybe women listen to this podcast who have worked minimum wage jobs their whole life and so it's not really that option so things like this that we've just spoke about are great ways to give that power back to us and be like I've got money here ready to make and it may not be the millions that we dream of and it may be small steps but if it's a way to empowering us um, and making money accessible to women whatever class or background then I think yeah they're really great great ways to start so brilliant good um, good okay you can take over this part Sherelle. we're gonna get into work <laughs> you make me do the work bit that's not fair so we're gonna go into the work aspect so the first thing we talked about is that we're obviously assuming these are all meant to be additional ways of money so we're assuming you've got a primary job so the next thing we're going to talk about is getting a second job so I remember um a time pre real life commitments mortgages children um <laughs> and bills and couldn't wait to get a job I don't know about you when I just wanted money in my hand and I wanted to um feel um what it was like to bring that in uh, yourself I got a job um at 16 at Pizza Hut and then I got a second job at Topshop and it was funny because I think the Topshop one I literally just spent what I earned on the clothes like it was just this every every payday would go into the clothes <laughs> uh, which they kind of make you do so that you have to wear it and so it's a really ironic thing but Pizza Hut I loved because we used to um get tips and you would take cash yourself via the system and you'd be in you know you would earn your your tips and that was an amazing way I, I learned that at 16 17 that you give people a really nice experience you look like you're enjoying yourself because I did used to love love working there and um, actually the money comes because you're adding value and you're improving someone's experience and so um if it, it does depend on I think Greg you called it out on your current life circumstance and um, your, your responsibilities your tra- your ability to travel but if you um want to take on a, a, a second job there are jobs around um around regular working hours where you know you could as things work out um open up work in a shop on a weekend you could work flexibly in a bar or a cafe um and people like those second jobs as well that you get something you meet more people if you if you were sat at home just watching netflix anyway Mm -hmm. and you're in a position where you have that free time 
why not? Because you don't know what you're going you, to, time's going to pass anyway, and you don't know who you're going to meet, you don't know what you're going to do. Um, and I think with the gig economy as well, there has been this opening up of other flexible part-time, so you don't have to commit to 20 hours a week stacking shelves. You could be a delivery driver, or you could be an Amazon parcel driver. And there's a lot out there about, again, how that is hard work, and it's not for the faint-hearted, and we have a lot of respect for the people that are working those jobs, especially full-time. But there's lots of options to try different jobs and see how you can boost your income and you could be boosting your income by you know maybe five six hundred pounds a month without doing loads of extra hours and still having a good work-life balance mm. and they're just I I think this is interesting so this is coming out in May and obviously there's talks of recession constant like sort of I hear whispers I don't know it I, it's just constantly there isn't it but I see so many jobs out there and I think it's there's a, a case of a lot of people were furloughed or made redundant or whatever during 2020 because of the situation and now all of a sudden things are opening up and so there's there's lots of opportunities there and it's interesting I have a lot of friends who work from home before the pandemic because of the work they do you know if they're an artist or photographer or whatever it may be and they actually choose to have a physical job job for a few days a week because they need that interaction like they need that and I and I totally get that and um I think you've just said there like that some people get so much out of a second job even though it's probably got nothing to do with what they're fully trained in because you know it and it's it's and I think the other important thing to say is you know it doesn't mean we just have to go for something that is there and and we feel forced to apply for it but I've tried to change my mindset recently of try and find something that I'm going to actually enjoy as well like um not be crazy picky but you know really start to think okay well what am I missing from my life I'm missing interaction well I'll do something customer facing or whatever so yeah I think that's a really good good option for people especially if we're all behind desks at home and we need to see people (laughs) Yeah, get on your feet. It was really nice actually hearing Laura talking about like living pizza because yeah, one of my first jobs was I just was like a, uh, I don't know what you call it, just like a temp would go anywhere for catering things and like be serving oh, up women. Yeah. I remember Silver Service having like a burning Silver tray S- of roast, roast potatoes <laughs> and being like to this love, do you want another potato love? Do you want another potato? That's what I just remember having to say to them. But um, but actually it was, I did enjoy it. I would go to different, it'd be like posh hotels and restaurants and then weddings and like all variety of things. And I could do as many shifts as I wanted one week or as not as another. So I think there are, I suppose it is those things that when you're young we do think about and then it can be quite easy once you've got like a formal day job possibly then to not think about other options so I think as Verity said you might find something that brings back a part of your like another part of you that's missing like you might have a just sitting at a desk and having something that's on your feet and getting you in front of people might actually bring you some enjoyment as well as bringing you some money. I think so and I think look, there's a shame attached to suddenly if you've got your into a graduate job or you run your own business you know I'm in a strong part of the travel business community and that has been decimated and people's incomes have disappeared and last year's income they've had to give back because people didn't travel on the holidays so it's an unknown industry really that's been horrendously impacted and those people in my circle have gone out and got jobs to feed their families and there's a pride thing when you're a business owner and you need to pay your bills you have to suddenly get a job that they've been helping with track and trace and having people abuse them on the phone they've been mm. stacking shelves but they found a part of themselves that actually they hadn't had they, they'd missed from working for yourself and I, I just I remember I went to the same school as Vernon K but he's older than me uh, in Bolton <laughs> and on I'm a celebrity this year he told a story about he was asking people what was your favorite job and everyone saying oh when I worked on this and when I worked on that he's like my favorite job was when I worked in a banana factory and I was with my mates 
and my job was sticking stickers on bananas in Bolton and it was the happiest job I've ever had and I loved it because I could just picture him like he's worked think of the jobs he's done his favorite job ever was sticking <laughs> stickers in a banana factory and he wasn't ashamed yeah. of that and I, I loved it it made me think that actually we're so worried about what people think sometimes that actually if you didn't care what people thought and you just did stuff and you figured it out as you guys talk about then who knows what it could bring you as well as money absolutely yeah, I love that so it, obviously mm-hmm. we spoke about it second job no warm and fuzzy inside. <laughs> another another thing we could talk about in terms of work related is actually freelancing so I suppose I suppose it would be interesting just talk a little bit about how you see them as different um because I think some people might feel they like cross over so how we see them as different and how people can get into freelancing so the good thing about freelancing is that I think it can really allow people to test the waters. Firstly, they wanted to launch a business later and they're in a more formal or structured environment. And definitely just to be a bit creative, it, you know, we maybe even women more than men, but we like building things for people. We like, we like creating, we like someone enjoying it. So um, the ways that people dip their toes into that, it, the, the site's like fiverr.com, it's got a double R on the end, I think, and it's um, a real good way of seeing what kind of services do people offer for an hourly rate or for a fixed price um, that helps someone else. So for example, my um, friend um, Vicky is launching a, a, a gym in, in, in her town uh, at her home actually it looks awesome and she needed a logo and so she's not a designer so she put the job advert there and she's got this awesome logo now which is just what she wanted for relatively cheap and it didn't take someone that knows design that long to do so it's a real good marketplace fiverr.com for like matching people with uh, products and it's a way of people generating extra income now some people work full-time on, on their um etsy is mm-hmm. another area you know it, people complain about the fees with etsy but actually again it's a route to market if these people set up proper businesses and had to set up websites and seo and advertising and paid ads you'd soon eat away at the fees that etsy charge and again you, it's a route to market to lots of people searching for something very special so freelancing could be the gift of writing or it could be design or it could be voice or it could be video editing or podcast editing but it but then Etsy could be if you're not that kind of person um but you like to make physical things you know the crafting and the baking and you know, I re- recently ordered some biscuits for someone on there and they were awesome I mean I am not a baker I'm an eater not a baker so I, I really appreciated the value and again when you are batching it and you're doing lots you know you can do things like say you're on holiday so it doesn't interfere with your work life and you can say at weekends I sell on Etsy so mm-hmm. there's, there's there's definitely places for people to I would say go and have a look what services people offer what are the rates that people charge set yourself up a profile on one and try a few things and and see if you can match that what you enjoy doing with what someone else needs and the key thing is you don't have to be an expert at the beginning so I can use Canva I am loving the fact that it's alive because Prior to that, it would have been Microsoft Paint for financial um, <laughs> uh, because I couldn't afford a designer. But to be fair, if I needed to make money, I absolutely could do people's social design content because I've got I've got that software. I pay for the pro. Someone else doesn't. Someone else doesn't have time. That's mm. I could easily do that. And I'm mm. 100% not a designer. Um, and people can see you work and review you. So definitely there's a there's a space to go and find these marketplaces and, and trial them out. And But then the other thing is that kind of skill could also be leveraged more locally. So you could have people on local businesses that don't know how to do social media. If you're a millennial, you probably know how it works. You don't know how intimidating it is for someone older. 
so you could offer some services and again everything is googleable and youtube i mean i regularly don't know how to do a soft boiled egg i'm not sure the timing i'm not sure whether you, <laughs> you do it from the beginning or you do it when it's boiling and um, you can find out so much stuff and then learn that practice it and just figure out as you go along yeah the amount of times i googled how to poach an egg in my 20s was ridiculous to the point okay, that no, i stopped I just was like, I got a little green plastic thing, but then, oh, anyway. So yeah, the trials and tribulations of a, a young millennial. Um, but no, it's interesting what you said there. And something just to add to it is I've, when I've done bits of freelance work, a lot of it I've got through telling people that I'm available for freelance work. So I think we underestimate that, don't we? So if I went to a like party when they happened or whatever, I'd just be like, oh, by the way, I'm looking for like marketing stuff. So if you know anyone like, and I just, and then a lot, when I think about some of my work, my work, it's come through those random chats six months ago where I just so mentioned or I popped on Facebook, like I do this. And I think we assume that everyone knows what we do or that, or people assume we're super busy or, and it's, it's like, I think it's a really good combination of like going on those places that you've said and, but just chatting about it as well. Just telling people that you're, you're available for that, I suppose. So um, yeah, great stuff. Content creation. So this is the next one. I suppose this falls under sort of linked with freelancing. Um, and you've just talked about Canva and stuff like that, which me and Chevelle love as well. Oh, yeah. Um, any, yeah, any sort of extra little tips just for that one? So I think where we were thinking about content creation in this context that's different to freelancing is producing content for yourself that you can later monetize. So okay. um, my example would be like if you have your own blog or your own channel um, on YouTube or on Instagram, what content can you create, whether it's design content or writing content or video content that later can be monetized? So that's not necessarily someone paying you in return for an ROI, but it's it's building up a, a brand or a, you know a niche or a particular area, especially that you're interested in, which you know brings brings value that later that later could be monetized. And so I think people that's the example of doing something not for an immediate ROI, but with a view that you're building something bigger that could be mm. valuable. Another example could be an ebook. You know, the playbook started off as an ebook this time last year that I wrote and sold, and now it's growing legs and turning into something much bigger. Um, but that was a side hustle content creation concept um, that, that, that I produced and people produced them exercise ones or cooking ones and lots of different things. So think of what you're interested in. Think of what you could create and it might not be perfect first time around, but see if there's a bit of a market for it and test it. Hey, it's Cheryl here and I'm quickly popping in to make sure that you know this is episode five of our figuring money out series we have come to the end we have been on a journey episode one which was number one to two is all about budgeting episode two number one to three is on debt episode three number one to four is on savings and mortgages and episode four one to five is on investing and pensions we have covered everything so if you've missed any of those episodes please do go back and have a listen afterwards and if you aren't already subscribed to the podcast please subscribe right now this may be the final episode of figuring money out the mini series but we've still got new episodes being released every friday and we don't want you to miss out 
We have been so excited to make this series because we wanted to not only get financial experts to share their best advice to help you out, but we also wanted to help normalize the idea of talking about money. So if you have enjoyed this episode or any of the series, please do share it with a friend and talk about your own experiences of money. And right now, talk about how you're making that money. And as well as talking to your friends about money, we want you to come and talk to us about it too. Please come and find us at Free and Figuring It Out on Instagram. You can comment on the related posts or drop us a DM. Verity and I have both made money in numerous different ways. And we would absolutely love to hear how you're making money right now or what you're going to try and give a go after having listened to this episode. Now back to the rest of the episode. Mm. I love that. And Cheryl, you're quite big on that, aren't you? Oh, yeah. No, I think, you know, um, I think I was going to say, oh, is your playbook not an example of that? Because there are most of us have something inside of us. And I think, you know, trying to actually make up something that you can sell is a really useful thing. I really like the fact that you said it's not necessarily going to be something that's going to give you instant money straight away. Like, But actually, you can be making a band realistically of assets that you can once you've done the hard work of making it once there is the opportunity for that to sell multiple times and I think that's definitely a valuable way of making money particularly I think over the like the longer term is when we think of you put the time in once and then you get the return out of it lots of many times but well, obviously people overthink it though don't they Sherelle like we we you know we sell a spreadsheet which is gold dust it's nine pounds 99 for this spreadsheet but it genuinely helps people because when you know we people don't know how to budget especially on an annual basis and the way we do it is give you access at the bottom and it forces you to track your net worth as well so it's a really cool spreadsheet there are better ones out there but we sell for £9.99 and that just sells you know and other people sell things like um charts to color in to to track your savings we could I mean god I should be doing that we can produce it and you could do that put it in Canva it wouldn't take you long little, little piggies maybe money jars but we overthink it we think things need to be grand and professional which mm. actually especially if it's price right just test it in these marketplaces that you set up stores and if you don't sell all you've done is created some content that maybe you would value from anyway yeah absolutely and I think like I have for propel her I've got a I think I call it like the gold digger guide and I must have made it like four years ago and every now and again I'd get a nice little ping someone's brought it I am not involved with it I you know I don't push it I don't do anything and I sell a few I you know I do make a bit of extra money from it so I think we can especially if you've got the time and I think you know some of the ones we spoke about earlier like reselling it can only be like you've only got so much then you're done but the fact is with content creation especially if you've got the time right now it can be a great thing to do whilst you've got the time and then there's potential for more sales down the road but one of the other things you mentioned was about having an online store and I think this is probably like the next level of that is this on so you, you know you could do make a one-off or something but when you decide I'm going to open a store I think for some people that might be like a bit intimidating so I'd like you to make it not intimidating <laughs> and inspire people to think they can do it by themselves so again online stores bigger thing with females um generalization we overthink and we think things have to be perfect so I really wanted um, financial merchandise. It's interesting because when you when you run a financial wellness business, a lot of people are like, well, you, you just tell me to cut my budget, and now you tell me to spend. And and for, for like, I've got this top that's it's not in the budget. 
and um, everyone loves it because it's the irony of walking around and I bought a top that says it's not in the budget and um and I've got another one that's invest and chill which is trying to encourage people that you don't have to do this like hustle culture to be an investor actually you can just buy and wait and buy and wait and um, I overthought this for the full year since we did the playbook um in fact before then I wanted to produce some I wanted high quality product I wanted I love on TikTok you see people packaging them and I'm like oh my god I'd love I'd love that and but actually when you sit down to business you have to invest in stock you have to invest in samples you have to take the time to design you have to um uh, package curate send deal with customer services and we're not we're not a clothing brand we we have a couple of bits of merchandise that would help inspire someone and make someone smile and be a nice gift but that's not what we are we're trying to teach people to be financially well so the world of print on demand has been hanging around me for this past year and I finally did it because of make money march it made me it was my muscle which was like just just do it and we've sold quite a few and I love seeing people uh, wearing them and my mum bought one so we're very lucky that she was my first sale um <laughs> But I, I, it doesn't matter if I don't sell one month mm. and I do another because I'm not at risk. And so if people have a bit of, and again, Canva helped me be creative with lettering. I knew what I wanted it to say. Uh, and I've got a bit of an idea. Um, all the colours end up being black. And my sister was like, some people don't like black. And I'm like, why don't they wear just black all the time? No! <laughs> you, yeah, I need some <laughs> colour in my life, Cheryl. You need to help me out. But, but the, um, the principle is use Canva to produce a design and all they've got designs, these companies like um, there's Printify, quite a lot integrate with Shopify, but Printify, I use teespring.com, there's a few others, and you can just put your logo or a design or an image on, on anything, and if people buy it, great, they print it, and you get a cut of the sale rather than you investing loads of money, and so mm. that is that is a perfect example of me of a way to do it without investing loads the other way to do it is if it is something physical that you're creating whether it's baking or not just try it try it for a weekend try it for the summer try try something little and watch how you like it and you might think I don't like it at all you might think I'm really enjoying this process I'm loving documenting it and people buy from people so if you, especially if you like putting your face on things and and uh, whether it's on social media people love small business there's this real movement and that won't go away because people people like that so don't overthink it don't think you need a shop in in the village or the town think small <laughs> and utilize these digital scalable resources Mm, and two things on that one Sherelle we need merch I've wanted merch for ages here we go I knew that was coming I need to do it I need we need free and figuring it out merch okay I'm going to push that on you um and the second thing is so I did this last year I opened a dry flower business um I probably did it for six to eight months loved it adored it it didn't click with me as I thought it would so I let it go it was absolutely fine it was made money from it really glad I did it um and I basically had an Instagram account and then I opened a square website because that's like the easiest thing in the world and that was it it was so easy to do and I I just feel like said we sound old when we say this but we're so lucky now that it's so easy to do these things you know compared to five ten years ago um and safe and secure and less risky and, and things like that so yeah I think online store it's great if you you know want to take that little next step um, and print on demand is a huge thing now isn't it like everyone keeps talking to me about it so we'll have to move into that Sherelle <laughs> okay but before David makes me have to do a whole range of merch and I lose my the will um except if I would like a mug I'm because I'm a big mug person I'm really missing not having my mugs in my life <laughs> so but the last one to do with work is salary increase and I think this is 
an important one because we could spend all the rest of them are all about us spending more time and we've already spoke about women can be very eager to not value our time and salary increase is bringing it back to being like no actually let's you're already doing this work let's get paid more for the hours you're already doing so my big thing with salary increase I come back to my lawyer roots so it's a contract it's a contract for your time or and our service and our value so uh, as much as you know I loved my job before I set up my business I loved the business I would give over and above probably more 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 than others would there's a few of us that would have done so I'm not painting myself in that light but I, I just love the business but essentially it's a contract for time and you are contracted to do certain things in exchange for money and you're all replaceable you know everyone's replaceable and I think that we can do all these other little things and sometimes scheduling time in to do those is really good because it doesn't impede your work day because what you don't need to do is working and then doing your side hustle while you're trying to work because you're not it all in um, and that's really stress that must be a really stressful place to be so I was quite rigid about doing some quite long days and then scheduling a couple of hours at night to to work on uh, on financial and then you know making extra money on, on weekends um, in other ways so if it's a contract for time and in a business you would want to increase the business's sales that's your income level so on a personal level why wouldn't you expect that over time you would see a trend line that would would go upwards and so you know I was in, on the senior leadership team for this amazing business and you know understood that there is a lot that needs doing here a lot mm-hmm. that needs doing there was more stuff needed doing than people and when you're a senior leader or a director especially you know depending on the size of business you're in or even a manager you are looking for people to stick the hand up and say look I want a career progression I want more not necessarily it doesn't have to be volume it can be more quality or more technical and and say but I want you know I want I want a pathway to to earn more from this and as a leader you're okay with that you know you have to put yourself in your in your boss's shoes I think there's two different types of scenarios we're talking about with the salary so if we think about the, the more fluid roles which is probably more of a senior or a professional role where there's an obvious um uh career progression in in that field then it's about putting yourself in your boss's shoes asking them look I have goals of earning this what do I need to do benchmarking and taking the time to um there's nothing wrong with speaking to recruiters building up relationship with recruiters if you're in that field because you can get a feel for if, you, if, you, if you're being fairly compensated and you know I've had situations where people in our community have we've talked about this and it's you know it's not about spitting your dummy out or being a bit immature about it with leaders it's kind of just being a bit more grown up about it but they're not mind readers and so I think some people think well, they should be paying me more well have you asked have you told them that <laughs> Have you told them that it's important to you? And and I think, you know, sharing your goals and your visions with your managers is really, really important. I think expecting them to think that they know what's in your head. You know, it might be I've got a goal of owning a house and at my current rate, I'm not going to be able to qualify for a mortgage. I want to give more. I want to earn more. Is there something here? And, and if it's not, then you do need to think about looking elsewhere. But for, for other people who work in more structured roles, like the NHS is one, it's like bands or maybe more um you know supermarket work I think and it is a bit difficult because it's the it's a set price but then it's about deciding what you want to earn and accepting that there's a there may be a ceiling and if you want mm. to go past that ceiling um moving on I think one thing we talked a, a little bit about is um 
who you surround yourself with and your network can really improve where you stand with salary. I think there's been a study where you tend to earn similar to the people that you're the absolute, absolutely closest to or spend the most time with. Um, it doesn't mean that you, know, you can't uh, be friends with someone that earns more or less than you, but you end up bringing each other up to a similar level, encouraging each other and motivating each other to, to progress. And you know, there's a couple of friends in my circles um, who have done very well and who because of their particular skill set or geographical location which is important absolutely raised my bar raised my bar without them knowing it and then when we talk they help to raise my bar and I think that was something that you know maybe university did for me because I'm from uh, Wigan in the north so quite quite a poor town and going to university helped with that and then meeting different people becoming a lawyer I mean going, going to London for the first time and seeing what <laughs> London trainees list of salaries where I was like that's two houses where I'm from that's not one yeah. house that's two um so that was a mini rant so I hope that was all right ladies what do you think no I th- no I think it's re- really valuable um what you said then and, and coming back to this um who you surround yourself with and stuff there's two things here for me one is um I'm a bit fatigued from all the figures I see on social media and stuff because I never know now what's true and what isn't and um how people have got to that you know when people talk about 10k months and 5k months and and I and you know me and Cheryl have a conversation but is that is that 9k in overheads and 1k profit (laughs) or you know what does it mean and I think I've had to really sort of have a stern word with myself about comparing myself to that because I don't actually know the true figures so when we talk to friends about money there's a trust there isn't there and we know that they're saying I earn this or you know I spend this and we don't need to kind of question that really it's a trust which is so valuable and having that conversation in the first place is really important but I think for me it shows me what I can do them because it's what I call like an expander it's someone who I'm like oh we're we're like each other and you're earning that I can get there and it's really just empowering I think in in that sense yeah I think I so absolutely... I, I think one of my t- one of my tips oh sorry Cheryl I was gonna say one of my tips is um uh, pick your Im- imagine there's a couple of things here there's there's network at the same level and then there's mentors and so I say pick your virtual board of directors so pick some people above you in your life where you want to get to or complementary skill set but they've seen it all they're pro- probably older or they've just done more than you and keep in touch with them so like pick, make it part of your annual schedule to make sure that you meet them for coffee or virtually because they will help show you what's possible because they've walked mm-hmm. that walk secondly do that do a similar thing with uh, peers because you could help lift someone that doesn't need be, to be lift so you could be imp- imp- empowering someone else and inspiring someone else that because you've not shared before but if you put that if you put that calendar in place that diary appointment in place you'll share that with them but the third thing is especially if you have um a boss or a regular client because let's think about freelancing situation as well put a quarterly catch-up in and there's two things that are really important one that you know what your goals are your personal financial goals because if you don't know them how can you expect them to and second share it at that catch-up because four times a year reminding them that you want to earn more and you're willing to do this and you know your rates are going up and it eventually it'll become accepted rather than it's a question can I have more um so that's, mm. a, that's a tip for me that's a really good tip in terms of like scheduling as well that sort of both sides how are you tapping into people above you and I you know I definitely I, I'm really honest about before I stopped Propel Her I had a 
that was one of the reasons where I thought I had read the quote about you're the average of the five people you spend the most amount of time with. And I loved the people I was hanging around with, but I was like, this is not where I want to, this is not where I want to be. And I really actively was like, I didn't come from a background of a, with a network that had any like anything. I, you know, I came from a very working class background. And even though I went to London, I didn't, I, you know, my background was in performing arts. So I was surrounded by people that were like all in the city and all fabulous and had money, but that wasn't the circle I was in. And I definitely, by finding people who actually probably have only been maybe a few years older than me or I've been have been like you know for me as well like as a black woman there's there's loads of issues I have around that to try and find other examples and realizing there are normal people that are rich that has been really important for me and actually having that sort of example in my life to then be like well they actually they come and have a drink with me and have a cocktail and they will also dance and do crazy things and they are human not just people like men in a suit (laughs) working in Canary Wharf that has a massive impact for me to be able to actually understand that women can be wealthy too yeah (laughs) I love that I now want to go cocktail to London like I'm stuck in my bedroom Give me a and cocktail. Then, soon, soon. Oh gosh. We'll have a free and figuring it out merch <laughs> included selling event. <laughs> we can all be. Um so yeah, I'm I'm really glad we spoke about that one because I think it is really important. Just to summarize that one. So you know, any effort, you know, how do how do women do it? Do do we do we just go in and, and ask for a salary increase? Do we try and plan ahead? Like what, just to summarize that, you know, did anything come out of, of your community when um during during March and, and doing the initiative? So benchmarking marking is really important, but even I think it's more of a validation for you because you do have to have the confidence, you know, speaking to a boss or a manager, depending on your personality type as well. I think it's really important to think about what kind of personality type you are and what kind of personality type they are and how you can approach your situation. So doing benchmarking and understanding what is a fair going rate for the role that you're doing and being very specific about are you doing more than that role? Because it's very easy to say, oh, as a marketing manager, I earn, you know, £30,000, but actually you're doing more than that because are you helping across two departments? Are you managing more people? Have you taken on people responsibility and before you didn't have it? So it's really important to be quite critical about benchmarking. Um, So the benchmarking is one thing. Secondly, talking to people in your life, so whether it's peers, um, people in a similar field that work somewhere else so they've got a bit more knowledge and or someone above you and it might not be at your business and or with your clients, it might be elsewhere. So just get this value validation that either you're there or thereabouts but you still want more and or that you're not and you're not paid enough and you need to have that conversation but the second thing is um schedule it in for a, it's more of a career progression discussion it's not a can we talk about my salary and I think when you link the human to that so when you link about the what your why you know I've chatted to people before and they said I just want more money and I'm like okay <laughs> why um not just because you want to value yourself but tell me why like if if I'm going to give you an extra 10 grand what are you going to do with it what's how is it going to add value to your life and I love seeing that it's connected to something personal because it just helps and that's not that's not required that's an extra so I'm certainly not saying that you don't deserve it unless you've got something to put it but it just it's that extra leverage and I think that scheduling the career progression talks regularly holds you accountable for doing things that you say you're going to do and so sometimes I you know it's sometimes I say what's the gap so if you say to a manager or a boss I want to be at this goal this earning level what do I need to do to get there and let, put it on them and they can say actually well I think you need a bit more people responsibility well no problem I will mentor a couple of people 
and uh, you need to deliver more training wonderful I will take that upon myself to go and put that action in place when we next catch up would you know in four to eight weeks we can talk about it then put that meeting in then and you've got this deadline on your head then that they can't really say no because if you deliver that and you enjoy doing that and you show that you've added more are they then going to say you can't have it so mm-hmm. it's that kind of pattern of let's talk about my progression rather than uh, I need more money is a really good way and I think if people are ultimately if they can't go any further because it could be a business that has no more budget you have to then step back from this relationship family firm kind of concept and think this is my goal it may be time for me to leave because it's not their fault that they can't help me um, and go find yeah. somewhere that can yeah yeah one thing that you mentioned about about the why about wanting more does trigger me slightly though because one of the things I definitely feel as like a single child free woman is actually and I've read about this where actually people in similar situations to me that have gone for pay rises and people have a mentality about well you don't need more money because as far as they're concerned you don't have like necessarily financial dependence and therefore you're you trying to prove they like people basically in their head make up assumptions and this is one of the things I felt is difficult for example I always knew even like with people in like some of my more recent roles that when they were talking about a salary they were imagining what they were getting paid and I was like you weren't a student when I was a student you don't have the level of student like you're not losing I think I was paying like 200 pound a month or something crazy in my student loan per month and I was like you're thinking I'm getting all that money because if you got paid this salary that's what you'd be taking home but that's not what I'm taking home and so I do think there is a as women it, it, it's difficult because it people do have assumptions about what they think is a reasonable amount for someone to earn and should we have to fight for what we think is right versus it should just be like yeah like I don't know I think it's difficult about how much you should be sharing how much you shouldn't be sharing and how much you're getting judged by what you think you earn and I just think yeah there can be problematic issues around it do you know what I read somewhere that um new when you look at parents between males and females um women um women uh, uh, tend to tend to earn less but men tend to get a pay rise when there's yes. a baby on the way because the the, the the concept is you've got a family to provide for now and I, I did read that and was like oh hang on but, it, but then if a woman's having a baby it's not yeah and, and ironically surely as a um as a single solo renter solo homeowner um you have more bills to pay and so it, yeah it absolutely can be triggering and incredibly unfair I think as well ultimately and um, there is this thing about if you stay somewhere a long time you're always the junior and I felt that, you know, I had ambitions in, in my role and just felt that would I ever be made, would I ever get to the next level? Or would they always see me as the company solicitor that came in early? Um, it's, you know, you, it's called hopping when you job hop. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't always have to be the case because you could work somewhere, love it, progress and really advance. But if you have to constantly justify why you're ready for this next step, then, you know, maybe it's time to to move mm. on and you come in as the fresh new thing that's going to help <laughs> and it's leverage it's real leverage to come in at a baseline and um, also when people are talking um for salary expectations never share them um with 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 people put it on them and understand because they will you know there's always bands companies mm. always have room to move and never be afraid of asking for more and saying actually i, I was expecting more because that's your best chance on the way in for a role is your best chance to secure the highest salary for yourself later it tends to be either percentage rises or promotion um promotion led so for sure 
Yeah, I think you're 100% right on like, you've got to try as hard as you can in the beginning. I've been having some really interesting conversations with people that are trying to get new roles and um, like how recruiters will ask you for like what your previous or like what your previous salary was. And we were saying like, why should someone be penalised because actually they didn't negotiate hard enough in their last role? Like actually yeah. probably the reason why they're trying to escape is because they've made a mistake and they've realised and now they're stuck in a situation where they can't get out of. We can't like penalise women for like one mistake they made five years ago and then now we're never going to let them out because yeah. we keep saying, what did you get in your last role? So no, I absolutely agree. <laughs> um, a really good Instagram account to follow is Save a Spender. She's a Canadian consultant and she is amazing. She's anonymous because she shares all data and her she shares conversations between her and a recruiter when when they're like a hundred thousand dollars she's like no double it like it's she's quite brutal and yes it's not relevant to all of us she's a consultant in stem very very qualified but her mentality of absolutely not i would rather be at home i you know i don't get a bed for this recruiter don't try and manipulate me like that it's a real good tips um, in fact, her and then Shung at Save My Sense is the American management consultant. She's awesome. And she has, um, in fact, probably compensation or recruiter um, highlights. So just gold dust, absolute gold dust. Love that. Amazing. We'll pop those in the show notes. Yes. Oh, and I feel like we could talk about that for absolutely hours. <laughs> but we'll uh, <laughs> move on to the next, the final two. So the, this final two are for people who maybe have assets or have a bit of capital that they can play with. Um, so one of them we are doing a completely separate episode on, but want to just um, briefly bring it into here. So investing. So what are your thoughts around that, Laura? So I think the magical thing about uh, investing, whether it's investing in, in the market or, or in property, is a real shift in mindset for uh, millennial women. because. There's a bit of a closed club when it comes to knowledge of investing um, being passed down through families, whether your families did or didn't do it. In fact, most of our families, even if we did have a pension, probably wouldn't have understood that it's actually investing. And there's this, you know, people kick around the compound interest figures and the eighth wonder of the world. And it dazzles us, but really to take action is really, really difficult. And so I teach people in our community, right, you, you have to change your mindset from save to spend which is I'm saving up for something. So I'm saving up for a house. I'm saving up for a car. So even if you're a really good saver, you're still not making your money work for you because you're moving it and then putting it into an asset that probably goes down in down in value generally apart, apart from a house. So we want to move people from save to spend, to, to um, save and invest because your money works for you when you're asleep. So uh, something I shared in our community this week was I've been messing around with 18 pence surveys and selling dresses for two pound on Vinted. And in the six months from, um, uh, from before now, I checked my pension recently because I'm moving it away from the horrendous company that, uh, that it's with. And it had grown um, 13,000 pounds. And half of that was from my contributions because I'm quite aggressive with my contributions. Half was growth in six mm. months. So you tell me how you can make six to seven thousand pounds while you sleep doing nothing, just invested in tracking the market. Now, yes, it can go down, you know, as, as, as your next guest will talk about. But it really brought home to me that um, there's some once you get the snowball going of making that money generate and bring income, reinvest it you, you realize that is truly passive income. That is truly about bringing money to you 
that is how wealthy landowners have, landowners have done it for hundreds of years. You know, mm-hmm. it's how um, it, it's how the, the stock market has has run for the hundred hundred years, and men predominantly invested in it. And it's a real mindset shift because what happens is you have to put money there and not touch it. And I just think it's a really hard thing. We save for goals <laughs> to go and do something, but the idea, and this is why pensions are hard thing, because people think, well, I can't touch it until I'm, you know, fifty-five is going to be fifty-seven for us. What if I need it? Well, obviously the other um, the other advantage is an ISA, so you can still get access to it, but it, but you, you know, you, you you get penalized on it once you've taken it out. You can't put it back in again for that allowance. But why do we find that hard? We do, don't we? We find it really hard to put money away and say, I'm never touching that. When when it brings money back in in dividends, I'm going to just reinvest it and, and let it stay there to later produce income for me. But I think all the lessons we're learning now help you to be better at investing because I would say some of the fear around, like even my pension thinking, I'm not going to touch it for years, as you think, well, but if I need it in between. But by going through the things that we've just talked about, what we're helping us to realise is, yeah, hard times may be ahead, but we are equipped to be able to make money. And I think that's one of the biggest issues for women is to learn they can make money on their own. And the more you can do it, that actually will stop you from being afraid and be able to invest and have money you can't touch for a long time. 100%. I mean, so we, in the playbook, we talk about doing things one at a time. So there's three stages, survive, build and grow. And we don't say jump straight to grow and grow is investing because there's all those worries about what if I need it? What if it, what if I put money in the stock market? It goes down and then I can't pay my rent. So what you do is you, you go through survive, which is you build up a mini emergency fund and then you become debt free. And then when you're in build, it's like, okay, do I need to get on the property ladder? I need a much, I need to build a much bigger emergency fund than a thousand pounds. Let's get six months expenses in there. So you, you do not, other than minimum contributions so that you can get some from your employer, um, you don't really invest in your pension. You work hard to get through build. And when you're in grow, which is the stage that I, I'm in now, um, all the extra income in our family either goes to experiences, so giving or travel or investing. And it's split between pension investing and now investing because I want that balance of if I want it, I can get hold of it, but I'm, I'm uh, you know, that get the tax benefits of, of pension. So it's getting that stage where, if you, like you said, the, the things that you've been learning in the past few weeks, if you can know your budgeting and if you can get control of your money, if you can get a strong foundation, you feel financially well, it, it doesn't feel as risky to send money in a way to investing that you won't see it. But I always say, um, you know, take your eating out budget. That money never comes back. It like literally <laughs> is, you've had a gorgeous meal, you've loved it, but that's gone. So why not, you know, even if it's something small, write into your budget that I'm going to invest as if that's gone and I've given it uh, and later it'll it'll come back. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's it's something that I've not explored yet. Sherelle's much more an investor than me. But um, yeah, I can't wait to kind of get get involved in it and I feel like I've got my confidence built up with all these different conversations um we've been having so um the final point to um look at and obviously this is for people who do have assets but you talked about renting out spaces um so it seems pretty obvious while you rent out a room make money but just wondered what came out of of the make money march and your community with this so we have a couple of people in our community that do um, rent rooms out and take on lodges, especially in the south. And um, they've really felt that not only that benefits them, but there's an appetite for it. Um, people that live on their own or with a friend and they've got a third room and, and, and they do it. And obviously either the tax allowance, I think it's seven and a half thousand pounds, maybe um, tax free income allowed under HMRC under the rent a room mm-hmm. scheme. 
So it's a really good way of um, making extra money, making use of a space. Um, you know, some people were asking questions about whether it's safe and how you feel about that. And it is really, really difficult because it's you have to get comfortable. Um, the first step to try would be in your friendship circles and someone that someone knows. So, you know, uh, one of our community members um, had a girl who was a vet who was studying in the south but lived up north and so didn't want to rent a whole place. Um, rented a room you know that was with her two teenage children so she was really worried about that and it's got a lovely lovely lady joined their family home for a period of time at Barton Income there's other things like renting car parking spaces and driveways and again it's this is about demand but there's quite a few websites that um that are out there if you look for them about about renting um the next level so you'd have to have a space to be able to do that and I think sometimes as well um you, you may have to check your leases and make sure if you are renting and you're subletting that you're allowed to because you don't want to you know fall foul mm -hmm. of that but generally I don't even think for the rental room you have to declare it to your mortgage um uh you, you your mortgage lender so then the ultimate obviously is property investing and this is something that I literally put on the at the bottom of the list for for in terms of priority and 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 where you should be focusing um making extra money because it's not like I think in Britain we're obsessed with property and I'm gonna have a rental and I would like a property <laughs> empire for my pension and people don't model it they don't model it and so I have a rental rental property and I'm not in a hurry to get get another one not because it's hard work not because it isn't easy money because it is if you keep on top of it and yes there's been capital growth but there are other ways of making revenue like with the with the stocks and shares ISA usually there's about 100 pound a time limit that you're putting it in because there's a cost uh, there's a uh, transaction happens each time it's accessible I don't need 50 grand to become uh, a stock market investor especially mm -hmm. a risk averse one because I can put it um, in a tracker and not pick stocks and shares myself I can just say I'll trust the market I'll see you in 20 years with property I think because we want to see it and touch it and decorate it and like the idea of being a landlord but actually it's just very boring and um there's not this big rush and it takes a lot of money and replacing a boil is boring and replacing a sink is boring <laughs> and it's not this exciting empire building um, but I think it could be um, it could be an option for people who especially have a skill set or have friends or uh, parents or partner who brings like a, a building or interiors or, or skill set to it. It just takes a lot of money. So, for example, you know, if you were to buy a £200,000 rental property, which is probably a, a smallish rental property in terms of the whole of the country, you're going to need 50 grand. So you have to have that to start with because really they don't go under 75% at over 75% loan to value so you're going to have to find that um the you, with the tax that George Osborne changes he brought in a few years ago mean that you cannot set off the full cost of the interest so what used to happen is people would mortgage it up uh, on interest only you could set that whole cost off um, and then only pay tax on the profit after that we can't do that now it's mm -hmm. virtually being phased out so for a higher rate taxpayer it's a appalling but for a lower rate taxpayer you know it's the only business in the world where you can't set your costs off truly <laughs> because a mortgage is a cost um, and then you know by now there's a stamp duty penalty as well so there's, there's lots of barriers and the reason why I throw that out is I think it's a real good aspirational thing to do and we will want to buy another investment property in a few years but my priority is certainly more 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 passive investing that means I don't need to be called if something needs to be ha to happen etc and um, having said that though when I see women in 
property being a landlord I love it because there's so few of us <laughs> I absolutely love it I love like I love Nicole Bremner you know her stuff on Instagram is really really good and um, inside property investing is another one let's put in the show notes there a couple from Manchester who gave up the corporate life and take on money from investors and and invest in the HMOs and stuff again I'm just not I'm too risk averse to get involved in anything other than the boring boring little house um but that that's my take on it that it's really aspirational but people should put figures through it and decide whether it's appropriate because it, it doesn't always stack up um money wise what do you guys think about rentals and being a landlord in the future yeah so rentals has always been like what are my like longer term goals um and I you know I've already got my first property in Croydon and I'd planned that at some point when I move and buy my forever home that I then would rent that one out but um, I'm very aware like you said that it's nowhere near as attractive as it had been and I think you are absolutely right about you need to run the numbers because there were and even when I spoke to some other people financially that they've said it isn't actually for many people the best way to invest your money anymore like the, those those golden days are gone um, and it can be it can still be really valuable and like you said because property can still go up in value and if it's a long-term investment and there's there are pluses but definitely now I think anyone that's going into it properly does need to sit down and do the numbers and make sure they're not being distracted by like the shiny object of being a landlord and having this building empire versus the actual reality like I think especially if you're a I'm a big fan of rich dad poor dad but he makes he makes it you know he makes it sound like it's just going to be like I'm going to be this property tycoon you're going to have all these millions to sell when you're older and unfortunately in the UK now it's not exactly the same situation but so that is my ultimate favorite book that changed the way that I thought about money and so yes it doesn't work like they're always like get someone else to pay down the mortgage no no no. it literally doesn't work like that in the UK (laughs) but it gets your mind thinking of switching that I need to have assets that that make money and um you know another thing that people do I think in the UK is our castles our home we just want the biggest (laughs) we can possibly afford and actually you could instead um, be very clever about the house that you buy so could you buy something that has um, a granny flat or an outbuilding or a room or a separate entrance that you could rent out so that's something that you can put your money into something that's your home that you can leverage as an asset or not go too big and not over leverage yourself so that when you do want to become a landlord you've got the money sat there and um, you know lots of people want to hold on to the little so you might use your example with the corridor maybe but some people want to keep their starter home and, and rent it out now we've ended up doing that with with mine so it was it, it wasn't intentional and um, but what I would always say if you're thinking of doing that is if you had that money piled up in front of you would you buy that house That's or are you holding on to it because it's a sentimental thing and it feels a bit easier because really on um, when uh, rentals is a business so when you buy you make your money on the buy you can't buy it at market value and some properties aren't appropriate for rental. You know, you want something that you're not fixing pipes every five minutes and that you don't have loads of upkeep and that it's quite easy and like a lockup concept. So would you have bought that one? Because if you wouldn't mm-hmm. have done, sell it and start again. And if you want to take that cash and go buy a rental with it, go buy a rental. Um, but people don't think like that. They're like, I want to keep that one because I like that one. So um, people mm-hmm. do want to do that sometimes with uh, inherited property as well. Or, or, or inherited property, property that belong to someone. And I, I just kind of always say, mm, does, you know, it's a business decision the reason you do it is business but yeah the more if anyone can recommend any female uh, re- 
rental investors let's get promoting them because you just see men going I flipped houses and made 200 grand I'm like sure you did yeah. and in fact Patricia Bright Patricia Bright uh YouTube obviously I'm a podcaster and um, she is documenting her rental property journey and I like seeing that she's pretty cool yeah she's really good I actually have a f- sorry go on okay. I was just gonna say I have a friend who um I know from Blackpool who used to be a singer and now she basically does loads of stuff with properties Christina Castellina she's called so I'll pop um her down because I always see her and think you're amazing I'll be really honest like in terms of vulnerability I do feel like I've failed as a woman right now because I don't own property and it's a huge issue for millennial women and so it's quite refreshing here in this conversation that it isn't all peachy and rosy and you know (laughs) the most perfect thing to do um I get that there is a rent economy and the owning property means that you do have an element of stability and money and, and things like that and capital and assets um and it's hard every day I have to like have that conversation with myself like you're doing okay like you know it just hasn't happened yet but having these conversations with you has helped me realize okay maybe I just need to back off being so harsh on myself with this oh, you know there is it 100% um, and what people don't do again is model it so when I, I bought my first property, I um, rushed into it. Um, I was desperate to own, own my own home. The minute I get, the minute I could get a mortgage, I ended up getting one. I knew nothing about mortgages. The mortgage rate was horrendous. I'm talking probably close to 4.55%. I didn't understand what that meant, you know, 10 years ago. And when I did the calculation, when I got to end of year, like three or four, with the cost of the interest and the cost of maintenance of that property and the assurance of it, I should have just rented. I literally, I literally was mm. no better off. Tiny bit of capital increase, tiny bit, but but not much to it, not much relative. And so there's lots of really good resources out there that say, like in the UK, we're obsessed with home ownership, but it's not always a be all and end all. Yes, it can be a form of stability, but when I see people rush out and get 95% mortgages and shared ownership and they overbuy and they own like 3% of this big house, then <laughs> do you really own it? Whereas actually, renting is so effective it buys your time it buys your patience and you can be saving in the background and yes eventually home ownership may be important to 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 you but it doesn't define you as a as a as as a success and the key figure that I tell people to look at is your net worth because some actually you can grow your net worth by pension contributions by savings and by investments doesn't have to be the equity in your home so it's really really important and we have to make that clear I think, and, and I'm so glad you talked about net worth because it's not something I don't think any episode we've mentioned. And actually, I have a spreadsheet for my year and I share it with my best friends and I have a line on net worth. And they were like, why are Yay. we doing that? And I was like, because that's what it's all about. And sometimes I think to myself, sell the flat and just see that net worth just climb back up because that mortgage is just dragging <laughs> me down. So absolutely, you are right. Like net worth is, you know, ultimately that's the thing we want to be looking at. And that's what when we're going up and a mortgage um, can definitely be a negative on that figure. <laughs> 100%. And also mm. things like paying down debt improves your net worth. So mm. you are contributing positively to your, to your financial future. So it's definitely something about dispelling myths and kind of trying not to look too much what others are doing and thinking out am I not catching up we've talked about that balance between people lifting you and inspiring you and actually you tracking your own stuff and feeling that actually after all the expenses and after all the the worries you know what actually helps you feel ultimately more financially well yeah yeah oh my god I feel feel like this could be a three hour long (laughs) podcast (laughs) so much good information and I think I feel like you know 
wherever people are at who are listening to it they can pick up on something that um for me actually it's made me realize how much of this I've tried and how hard I've been working to um connect with money again as an adult woman and um I feel quite proud of myself if I'm honest listening to this if I'm gonna be super raw because I've tried pretty much everything on this list and so it it makes me know that I'm doing my best and I am I am putting myself out there to become a woman of of empowerment with with my money so um thank you for for going through everything before we kind of tell people where they can find you and stuff we have a quick fire round so well it it's normally not but we the last guest we had on did do it super quick so we'll it I mean whatever whatever <laughs> flow you feel going with the, with the question so um let's start with uh, what is the definition of free to you um being free to choose so choice choice is something that's really really important to me and, and that's the part that being financially well and money plays in 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 my life freedom to choose your money helped me launch a business because I became financially well and I worked hard and that was my goal money helps me give if I want to give and help people and um, money helps me um travel if I want to travel um, and it's it's a hard slog it's not easy but it's freedom to choose me as being free Perfect. and what is your favorite thing to do on your own uh drink a hot drink where I drink it all and a child doesn't interrupt me or make me play jigsaw during that time or anyone talk- well okay cups of tea and working out I hate working out with other people I've had so many arguments with my husband or friends where I'm just like I just need to go so uh, working out and cups of tea <laughs> words of a mother there <laughs> um yeah. what's your um best piece of advice for millennial women to not overthink um it's really hard when I think you're brought up to try and by teachers and by parents and by friends and by work to try and try and be perfect and inaction is just the absolute worst thing because Mm. uh, the number of things that I have said this time last year I wanted to do this look at what I could have done you know and then when I started it it wasn't that big a deal and sometimes going to the beginning like you know imagine your first podcast versus you now you you might laugh at it and go do we even know what we were doing and look how established you are now everyone started somewhere so yeah don't don't overthink it and um inaction is the worst thing Mm, completely agree and what resource it could be a book a podcast a documentary are you always recommending to other people so rich dad poor dad for that one for that one point that your brain switches to i if i carry on just saving all this money and then spending it there's i'm I'm working a lot harder than other people that make the money work for them so massive brain shift i tell everyone to buy buy that book good choice i've still not read that i need to read you ready loads and we have not right i need to get that on my list and finally what are you still trying to figure out I'm trying to figure out how I talk about the concept of building your dream life and and um you know I think we have to tap into our subconscious sometimes and and get to the bottom of that and there's a few different exercises you can do I like morning pages which is morning journaling um it, it's not a cliche it does gen- genuinely work to, to, to figure out mm. what's important to you and I think your, your, your dream life your money helps it but it's not a, a mansion or um, travel every week it's real basic things it's you know it might be going for a, a walk and it might be um eating really fresh food that you cook it might be spending time with your friends I'm 
still trying to figure out how I consistently incorporate that into my everyday because a day mm. can just pass. And so, so not fig- when I figured it out, I might, have never, I might never figure it out, but that's, that's important to me as a, as a goal you this year, especially. Yeah, you'll have to let us know. We can share. No, that's, I think that's really, really interesting. Well, Laura, thank you so, so much. So many amazing nuggets of information. And I think we also deep dived into a few subject areas, which just felt really, really valuable um, to both us and our listeners. So where can people come and find you and get more of you? Well, we spend far too much time on Instagram than is healthy, but you can see us mainly on <laughs> mainly on Instagram. But we have a free community that that we invested in. It's um, on our website. You can go to financial.co.uk and see people and chat to people on on your on their money journey and, and help you with yours. The focus is financial wellness. We are anti debt generally, other than mortgage, but there's no judgments, and so it's a real safe haven to to talk talk about what we've talked about today and bounce ideas off and my sister and myself are really active in the community but we went through a tough week past couple of weeks and what's been wonderful is the community have kind of stepped in and they're talking to each other and helping to each other and that is mind-blowing and that's you know it's female mainly but we've got lots of men in there as well it's a real safe space to be so that's where you can find us amazing perfect well yeah we'll certainly put the links to all of that um on the show notes so once again thank you so much laura for coming on and chatting to us all about how to make some extra money um and if there's anyone who has some great stories to tell then share it with us and we can pass it on to laura too thank you so much thanks laura thank you both Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Free and Figuring It Out. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss the next instalment. And if you want to be a superstar, please leave us a review. Or you can get in touch with us. Drop us an email at freeandfiguringitout at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time.